everyone, and welcome to Everyday Linux, episode 133, Christy Eller. Recorded March 2nd, 2014, and brought to you by Element OP Productions. ElementOP.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the show that's not about Linux, but about life in the context of Linux. And I should say welcome back to me after having missed a couple of shows. Um, your, your humble host is back with you and happy to do so. But just to make sure that the world uh, doesn't end because all the hosts are here at the same time. Seth isn't with us tonight. So there's there's balance to the force there. But as always, my good friend and yours, Mr. Chris, the command line godfather, Neves, is with us. Hey, Chris, how's it going? It's going well, everyone. How's, how's everyone doing? Is everyone surviving the cold and the nasty ice and sub-zero Arctic spin of whatever it's called this year? Uh, just it all that all depends on where you live. Right now, it's seventy <laughs> plus degrees for me. Uh, right, it's pretty darn warm in Colorado right now too. We've had a oh. easy, easy winter. And that voice you uh, hear is the voice I'll of our guest, Miss Christy Eller, who uh, uh, Seth has teased a bit. Uh, Christy is um, a web designer and computer geek extraordinaire, and uh, we'll be hearing more from her a little on. Hey, Christy, welcome to the show. Hi, Mark. Thanks so much for asking me. When given the opportunity to to do just an interview or to stick around for the whole three and a half hour show, oddly enough, she decided to do the whole thing. So um, she will learn uh, better next time. <laughs> three and a half hours? I thought it was an hour. <laughs> oh, um, sure. That's yeah. Yeah, that's it. Uh-huh. Uh, um, Seth must have you know sugar coated that a little bit. <laughs> Uh, you, you feel free to leave anytime you want to, except that we're going to put your interview at the last, so you got to stay there for that. Um, okay. Uh, we we do tend to ramble a little bit. It was when we started this show three plus years ago. Uh, we were asking ourselves, can we get you know consistently? Can we get like forty five minutes out of the show? Because uh-huh. that would uh-huh. be awesome. If we could get forty five minutes a week, that would be great. Now every week, I'm like, guys, can we stop it at two hours? Can we can we keep it oh under my two God. hours? Um, Seriously, it's just, wow! It's just the way it goes. Um, yeah, it's when you have that that chemistry, it just kind of happens, and that's where we found ourselves at after a couple of restarts. <laughs> uh, and those of you watching the live stream, I think there's just one of you. Uh, there's not going to be any video tonight for technical reasons, but uh, we got plenty of audio, and we'll go from there. Um, but anyway. Uh, so let's just jump right in. First off, it's great to be back. Uh, as Seth mentioned last week, I had a, I had a death in the family. Um, my, my wife's sister, uh, came to live with us because she was too sick to live alone, uh, about six months ago and her, uh, series of chronic illnesses caught up with her and, and she passed on. So our family, uh, you know, dealt with the, she was in the hospital in ICU for a while uh, then we made the decision to pull life support uh, and take her to hospice, and and then she passed, and so you know there was a lot going on there, and I just I, the show as much as I love being here uh, wasn't on my list of priorities at the time, uh, and also yeah. um, to that end next week at the time that we'll be doing the show I will be in Texas where where she's from and and where I I'm from we're driving back to Texas for her memorial service so I will be gone one other week. And then hopefully the uh, the uh, um, 
disruptions end there. But I, I do thank you guys for your, uh, Chris and Seth for carrying on without me. Uh, I listen to the shows and um, you guys don't need me. You're funny and entertaining, and uh, a couple of times I laughed out loud. That's a good sign of a geek podcast when when they can make you laugh out loud. Uh, so, uh, just my my thanks to uh, to all of you for your support and uh, for carrying on without me. Uh, but I'm back and uh, looking forward to this show. It's nice to have you back, Mark. You know, me and Seth may be able to handle the show without you, but it's not the same. So I'm glad to ha- hear your dulcet tones back in my ear earbuds Thank this you. week. And just to make sure that uh, we didn't have enough going on last week, everybody in my family contracted a, a chest cold and bronchitis, and we're all hacking up along. So if you hear me off mic hawking something up, pay no attention. I'm, I'm fine. I'm actually a lot better. A couple of days ago, I had no voice at all. Um, Ooh. So, uh, and my wife yesterday, uh, has and she's a, she teaches three-year-olds. It's hard to be a teacher of three-year-olds with no voice. Uh, Oof. <laughs> so, um, anyway. Enough about me. Uh, there's one other passing that I, I need to uh, to uh, mention to the audience. I know you'll you'll find it interesting. Boris, uh, my beloved friend, uh, is no more. Uh, the uh, poor Boris. Poor Boris. Um, episode thirty nine, the Boris box. Uh, Boris was a uh, circa nineteen ninety five era laptop that I uh, had running IP cop as my firewall. Um, and finally, after I just, again, we had to end life support. Uh, we just couldn't keep him going anymore. I did everything I could. Um, but, uh, this morning when, when, when we woke up, he had, he had passed in his, in his sleep overnight. So I am currently running off of, I cringe to say it, a D link router off the shelf. Oh, I know. Shame on you. That's horrible. Well, but I'm sure eventually Boris will come back. So yes, at least Boris's progeny will Boris. live on. I think the next one I'll call Ivan. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, something we've got to we've got to do something. But uh, um, that's it. That's it for that. Boris uh, has has been a, a presence on this show. Literally, he's all the shows have gone through him uh, for for since the beginning, and uh, and we will miss him. Boris is dead. Long live oh, Boris. Hi, I'm looking for my violin, but sorry, I can't find it. <laughs> Uh, so if it, you know, you guys who are listening live, if I, uh, um, or I mean, Chris and, and Christy, if I drop out, it's because that crappy little D-Link couldn't handle the bits. Um, <laughs> and Seth had something in the notes here, but Seth isn't here. Uh, he says, go see the Lego movie. So I'll just say that I actually went to see the Lego uh, movie. I took my kids did you? and, uh, one of, uh, one of them got sick during the, uh, previews. So I took the bullet for that one, took her home and dealt with her and let the rest of the family watch. So everybody except me and my middle child uh, have seen the Lego movie. Uh, And of course, they came home and being children told me all of the spoilers and all of the big reveals. Uh, So I don't really have to see it anymore. Uh, I still think you probably should, because I know I'm going to as soon as uh, I can squeeze my children out of their massive amounts of things the next month of. I think we have five or six tournaments and testings and everything else for Taekwondo. So it, this month's gonna, I think we're going to end up missing the Lego movie in theaters because of all the extracurriculars that my family does. Have you seen it, Christy? No, I'm not really planning <gasps> on it either. Oh. Well, my, my, my family, my wife, says it's amazing. Said it's uh, 
it's a great movie and you have to see it. So did she like it? I was wondering. It just doesn't sound attractive at all, but maybe it's good. Uh, yeah. we'll, we'll see. Well, from what I've heard, there's it's it works on two levels. You know, it's got the kid level and it's got the grown up level. Nice. Um, oh, and, good. And that's that's kind of a rare thing lately. Yeah, well, it's few, rare for few of those. Well, it's few in general for movies lately because a lot of the movies have been either geared one way or the other, or they fail doing trying to do both. Yeah, so. the last really good one was um, Toy Story Two. I mean, Toy Story Three. It it worked on two levels. Uh, in uh-huh. the, uh huh. The Toy Story movies are so good. Yeah, uh, but since then there there just hasn't been. I mean, there've been good movies, but none that work on two levels. Yeah. Uh mm-hmm. All right, Chris, I have monopolized the show long enough. What's going on? I haven't seen you in three weeks. What's going on, brother? Not a whole lot. Um, other than uh, I ended up getting a new laptop. It was uh, busted, donated, thrown at me, saying, here, I don't want this anymore. So new is I, in quotes. Yeah, new is in very big quotes, considering. Uh, but on the plus side, I went from a my little 14-inch Dell notebook to a... 17 inch Dell i3 monster 17 inch so it's quite of a big change for me um on the plus side though because the power of linux compels it i didn't have to reinstall anything i just swapped the hard drive and it kept kicking so so you that, took the oh, you took the hard drive out of your old one and popped it in the the quote unquote new one and it just kept going yep just kept on going without a problem the only headache i ended up with and i gave it about three minutes worth of effort and then i said screw this i'm gonna swap cards the wi-fi card is the old broadcom so i said no (laughs) i'm not gonna use this pile and i put in the intel chip because the chips were the same so i was able to just do a chip swap and now i have uh my awesome intel wi-fi in my new laptop that's huge i forgot how big 17 inch monitors are yeah, I mean, seventeen inch laptop is just a desktop that you can carry with you. Yeah, yeah. really, it is. Well, and you know, when you're going from, and I went off mic there. Sorry. When you're going from this little itty bitty fourteen inch screen to a seventeen inch screen, that's a monster. Yeah, it's yeah. a huge change. Mm-hmm. I think for me, the fifteen point six, the you know, the widescreen fifteen inch is my is my sweet spot for laptops. That's that's what I've been buying for years. I like it. It's portable, but big enough to actually see. Um, the the yeah. I used to have a twelve inch tablet, and you know, since I hit forty, my eyes are gone. I can't see those anymore. Yeah. But now, uh, on to my next little blurb here. You know, my my daughter, she's my five year old blonde haired, blue eyed wonder child. She uh. <laughs> She's starting to scare me a little bit and makes me laugh at the same time. I know very few five-year-old boys or girls, for that matter, that can tell you all the colors of the Green Lanterns and all of their oaths. <laughs> wow. My, my daughter can tell you every variation of the Hulks, A-bomb and, and, <laughs> and Red Hulk and Gray Hulk. She, she's into the Hulks. Huh. But yeah, um, I actually I had to laugh because the other day... Uh, my kids were in the office where I'm at right now and I heard them chuckling and giggling and I came back here to find out what they did and on my whiteboard they drew all of the emblems for every different colored <laughs> lantern so I have a mirage of, of green lantern logos on my wall which makes me chuckle and laugh and 
I'm a little scared. <laughs> Wouldn't it be awesome if they finally made a good Green Lantern movie? They, they just they've never done one yet. I would love to see that. It would be cool. You know, that actually I think it would it would make a great oh, it'd probably be more than a trilogy, but um The War of Color, where they have where they brought in all the different colors, lanterns, and they actually brought the storylines with them. Um I'm trying to find a way to buy all the books, the comic, the actual graphic novel books for the the War of Color, mm -hmm. and they're expensive. My yeah. goodness, are they? But mm. they're like thirty dollars a book. Yeah, the the collector market sort of polluted that. Everybody buys them and and tries to to make them valuable. And of course, the thing that makes them valuable is rarity. So when people right. buy them for collectors' items, that pretty much guarantees they'll never be collectible. Yeah. But yeah, they're $30 a piece, and there's like six of them. So in order to get the whole story, you have to buy all six. And my daughter would probably just about fall off her chair if I brought home those books because we ended up picking up the Emerald Knight book. And just it was a tie into the, the horrible movie. But the comic, I've read that comic to her probably 10 times in a week <laughs> when I first got it. So, yeah, my daughter has a crush on Green Lantern, and I'm a little scared. <laughs> so, Christy, you don't, you don't know this. You're not a, a longtime listener to the show, but, uh, you know, you're, you're here tonight, you know, in a sense, to talk about uh, girls in technology. I'm sure there will be other things yeah, to talk about. Yeah, I'm but, so uh, glad to hear your daughter yeah. loves the comics so my, much. That's great. I am the father of three daughters, and uh, Chris has uh, a daughter and a son, so... Uh, we we all have a stake in this as well, right? I have two Just boys a and a bit. girl. Uh, in fact, I was I was looking through uh, when I, I I mentioned you know the old D link that I'm running. I plugged that in, and the SSD SSID that I originally set up for the wireless was sea of estrogen. That's that's what I call my house uh, because um, <laughs> I was at for a time there. I was the only man in a house with five females including and uh, not including a dog which is also female so um i i had wow. exactly no vote in anything ever um <laughs> and uh, i'm not sure that's ever going to change a good friend of mine who also has three daughters uh gave me some advice he said get a boat even if it's not in the water just get a boat and when things get rough just go sit uh -huh. in the boat <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> all right so i, I want to move on uh uh, we have a lot of listener feedback, but because I'm not going to be here next week, uh, we're going to do, Seth and Chris are going to do a listener feedback show. So I'm, even though I have a ton of stuff in the notes, I just put them here, Chris, I'm telling you, so that you can copy them forward next week. Um, uh -huh. But one thing I did want to say, I know Seth mentioned it last week. I want to mention it again until, uh, you know, the end of the month. Uh, our good friend Jonathan Nato um, is uh, once again putting on the Northeast Linux Fest at Harvard University on April 5th. Check it out at northeastlinuxfest.org. Uh, org. Uh, Jonathan, if you'll remember, um, was on the show at least twice, I think. Um, he's uh, doing some cool stuff all the way around. Uh, the, his main uh, emphasis right now is on his uh, Linux distribution for the visually impaired. Uh, Jonathan, if you'll remember, was in an accident that took his sight um, uh, later in his life, and he's become an advocate for uh, assistive technology and finding it wanting in the uh, the real world, uh, the the uh, not real world's not the right word, the proprietary world. He set out to make a Linux distribution specifically for uh, the uh, visually impaired, and I can't remember off the top of my head what that's called. 
Uh, but anyway, Jonathan's a great guy doing great stuff, and he's also putting on the Northeast, Northeast Linux Fest at Harvard University. So if you're in that area around April 5th, go check it out. Definitely. That's, that's really why he's the best color man in the business, people. <laughs> I was going to say, there really isn't much to add, Mark. You kind of blew through right. everything. Yeah, that's okay. That's um, how am I supposed to comment? The only thing I could possibly do is double check to see. I think it's called Sonar. So, sonar, yeah. Um, Jim Beeson just right. so, answered that in the chat room. Thank you, Jim. Yeah, well, at least at least my thought was right. That's I right. was on the right track. You were right there. <laughs> you you two both came out at the, at the same point. Of course, Jim's going to hear this a minute and a half from now and think, I said that a long time ago. Welcome to broadcast <laughs> delay, Jim. No kidding. Sorry, I had to go off mic to cough there a little bit. Um, uh, all right, moving right along. I think that's all I'm going to do in the term uh, in the uh, way of listener feedback uh, because next week's show is going to be jam packed, full of stuff. Um, and Seth uh, put together all these uh, uh, news articles as he always does because he didn't realize uh, he wasn't going to make it. I don't think I mentioned the. His area has gotten about an inch and a half of sleet over the last six hours, and he's just he's just iced in. Uh, he can't go anywhere. So I'm going to be reading blind, um, totally not aware of any of, of these news articles, and we'll see what happens. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> his first art- article is that a German court dismisses a $2 billion patent troll claim against Apple. Uh, yay for common sense in uh, German uh, courts boo for Apple not getting slapped around. Um, that's, that's that was channeling Seth. That's what he would have said. I think he would have said uh, that the common sense. Or the oh, how, what's his phrase for that? I can't remember. Uncommon sense. Yes, that's it. That uncommon sense has won out. Has broken out. <laughs> uh, the article says that the rulings are are a significant step back for a company called IPCOM that owns twelve hundred patents related to mobile technologies. While IPCOM will undoubtedly appeal the case, the company has been trying to sue HTC unsuccessfully for years, and IPCOM has previously agreed to licensing uh, patents on fair and reasonable non-discriminatory terms, uh, but uh, it's also been a courtroom regular, uh, list a bunch of patents. Uh, basically, this is a company that doesn't do anything but sue people for patents. Uh, the... Uh, the term that Boo. the internet has come up with that is patent troll. I don't think that's actually a legal term, but it's pretty well descriptive. So these guys, at least they lost this one. They were suing Apple uh, for $2 billion uh, over a patent, um, and the article here doesn't say what it was. But generally these patents are something like, mm-hmm. if you access the web, you owe us money. Right. <laughs> or if the icon It's icons amazing are- it can continue to go on yeah. year after year after yeah. year. I always wonder who's funding these things. You know, honestly, who's funding all these patent trolls right. to to sue? Because eventually, you're going to run out of money if you keep losing. Well, that's the thing. They they settle enough that it's it's worthwhile. Um, you know, most like the the. I'm sorry, I can't remember the name of it right now. There's a company basically suing all podcasters, saying that they own the concept of uh, episodically releasing something on the web. Um, that, that's what their patent is. If you put something on the web, web regularly, you owe us money. Um, and so they've made enough money just by, you know, people paying that to make them go away that they don't, you know, it's not a big deal. They can continue to, uh, to, to go after the big guys. Um, and you know, they typically figure out what it would cost to take them to court and back that off by, you know, 5%. 
and say right. you know we'll settle for just slightly less than it would cost to take uh, what it would cost to take us to court. Um, and every now and then a company says no, and Apple in this case did for IPCOM. And I hope more companies start saying no and just and fight it just to fight it. I mean, Newegg did that, even though they lost, they still fought it. So right. I hope I, I hope how more much companies it cost do them. it. Uh, you know, I haven't seen any numbers on that, but I'm sure it's in the hundreds of thousands to millions uh, to to lose a case. It would have been cheaper yeah. to settle, I'm sure. Uh, but you know, we the the thing is, uh, I can only speak for U.S. law because that's the only thing I'm familiar with. The patent system in the U.S. is ridiculous. the The thing is, these people aren't trying to get patents and and um, and suing for them. They actually have a patent. The patent office said, "Yeah, yeah, putting something on the web on a regular basis is patentable." And they rubber stamp that one. There's the problem. Uh, the, patent, yeah, right. the patent trolls are certainly a problem, but the fact that these patents even exist are just r- ridiculous. You got middle-aged, uh, uneducated right. uh, office workers uh, looking at techno babble and saying, "Oh, it looks good to me," and and rubber stamping it. Um, and it's just a problem. I, they're not peer reviewed. You know, uh, one of the things about a patent is it has to be non-obvious to experts in the field. And most of these things are completely obvious to experts in the field. But the problem is there are no experts in the field that actually look at the patents uh, applications. Yeah. Mm. Okay, moving right along. Uh, Seth mentioned um, last week that uh, Ford was pursuing a deal with BlackBerry to uh, replace uh, the uh, Windows-based software in their Ford Sync Uh, But uh, Ford has uh, uh, stepped back and said, no, turns out... No, that that's not a deal just yet. So um, our, I believe it was Ars Technica who uh, uh, did the article originally. Ars Technica is now saying, um, turns out maybe not. Oh, excuse me. It was Bloomberg that reported ori- originally. And uh, Ford um, it said that, uh, quote, Ford was not married with Microsoft. Uh, it's still evaluating other third generations of syncs. Uh, a quote, we're specking out our requirements for the next generation. Those requirements for the next generation are sent out to everybody, to Microsoft, to Apple, and to everybody, and they come back with offers. Uh, so the bottom line is that the QNX is a contender for Ford Sync, but they haven't made any choices yet. So just a bit of a correction there. You know what I read into that? Microsoft BlackBerry isn't desperate enough yet. <laughs> okay. No. Right. Black isn't BlackBerry isn't quite desperate enough to to sign in. And so or they're not in a place where Ford can say, "Yeah, we'll buy that." So get over here. Uh I'm sure, you know, maybe in, in the next quarter, two quarters later when the the how how much is BlackBerry losing in a quarter? What was it? A million dollars a quarter or something like that? Yeah, I, I heard that podcast where you <sighs> had those numbers. That was really amazing. Yeah, it was so. It was they're over losing three money. Quarter, yeah, yeah, they're losing money hand over fist, and I think eventually, Ford, if Ford is looking at them, they're going to go, "Yeah, we'll just buy the whole company." Thank you, and then right. then they don't have to pay Microsoft their their blood money, or so to speak. You know how the mighty has fallen. First Palm, now BlackBerry. Um, <laughs> Both of those companies were awesome in their time, but they're just examples of not being able to keep up. And Microsoft, the only reason they're still around 
is through muscle memory. People just buy Microsoft, but they're not yep. relevant anymore either. And uh, they're just they just happen to have bigger pockets. They could afford to lose money for longer. And in fact, they're not losing money. They're a profitable company and still making money. But yeah. their sales have been flat. Nobody. They're just the de facto OS on computers, and that's the only thing that's keeping them alive. Nobody actually gets excited about Windows anymore. I remember when Windows ninety five came out; people were excited. <laughs> right, they had parties. Sure. They yes. had parties for Windows ninety five. So yeah. Uh, anyway, um, another uh, stalwart that uh, is has people are abandoning left and right is is MySQL. Uh, forks such as uh, MariaDB and and others uh, are are taking over, but uh, Shuttleworth, Mark Shuttleworth of Ubuntu, says they're sticking with MySQL. This doesn't mean a whole lot. It just means that when you buy Ubuntu or buy when you download Ubuntu, it's going to have MySQL bundled in. If you want to do something else, awesome. If you don't, that's fine. Um, and uh, Shuttleworth's reason is basically there's there's nothing better yet. There are things out there that are as good, but there's nothing better, and there's no reason to make a change. I don't disagree with him. Yeah. I mean, as long as you want a, a SQL database, yeah, MySQL is the best one to use anyway at this point. Um, I'm you know, sure I mean, that'll be debated yes. down the road, right. but right now, you really can't get much better than SQL. Yeah. Yeah, I'm surprised who said it was dead. I mean... Oh, everybody's declaring yeah. something dead all the time. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I think when Fedora moved off of SQL and they moved on to... Right. Well, was it Coach? Was it Coach DB? I don't remember. Couch DB. I don't remember. Yeah, Couch DB. Yeah. Um, I, I don't remember it. God, I think that's, that's what started the whole fire spin about it because when Fedora and the, uh, the Red Hat company started moving away from SQL... Um, right. The problem is SQL just it. doesn't scale to you know millions and billions right. of records. It coll- it collapses, um, and that's why you have your your big sites, you know Amazon, Facebook, those guys. Uh, they may have started on SQL, but they had to abandon it yeah. quickly. Uh, and so there's been this whole no SQL movement. I, I'm pretty sure that's the website nosql.org, uh, saying uh-huh. that that SQL is bad and everybody should be using other forms of of databases uh but the fact is for the for the regular guy running a website php mysql is still the way to go and when you have billions of hits per hour then you can worry about migrating to another database right yeah php and mysql work great for me that's for sure well and they normally do for you know, ninety percent of the people anyway. They just a lot of people are jumping off of it because the of flame text like this. So yeah, whatever. I I'm not one who gets excited about SQL databases. All right. <laughs> Hopefully they oh, do what they do behind the scenes well, and we're happy. <laughs> um. All right. And moving right along, the next item one item is that uh, Microsoft may be giving away. Windows 8.1. I mean, they can't sell it, so that's the next step. <laughs> we might as well give it away. Um, essentially, here's here's what's happening. After doing their Chromebook attacks and saying that uh, you, they're not real computers, they're trying to come out with their own version of a Chromebook, which is Windows 8.1 with Bing uh, and sold on a small device. So uh, Chromebooks suck. 
here's our version of a Chromebook. We are Microsoft. That sounds about right. Uh, it's right. bash, well, bash, that? bash, and then changeover. <laughs> it was last week. I thought that I read that um, they were going to they were lowering the price from sixty to fifteen for their license for right. um, manufacturers. So, is this another step? Yes, uh, according to The Verge, uh, it says, quote, uh, uh, sources familiar with Microsoft plans tell The Verge that the company is building Windows 8.1 with Bing. They really need to get better oh. at naming things. That's the name of it, Windows 8.1 <laughs> with Bing. Uh, and they thought Terrible. Chromebook was a bad name. Uh, a version that will bundle key Microsoft apps and services while early versions of the software have leaked online. We understand that Windows 8.1 with Bing is an experimental project that aims to bring a low-cost version of Windows to consumers. Uh, ZDNet first reported some Windows 8.1 with Bing details earlier in the week and they go on to talk about that but basically it's going to be a cheap device for a couple hundred bucks um that has windows 8.1 um and uh micro all the free online stuff that's already there so you're going to have your win office online and you're going to have your uh mail all integrated in the same way that google google does it with their chromebooks boring <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> we're not feeling too excited <laughs> so then why well, don't we just move on to something that might excite us, and that is that uh, the uh, in the 2013, the global serv- server market continued to decline, but huh. in those declines, Linux is still the king of the big iron. Um, it, that, they, doesn't, that doesn't really surprise me there, but what surprises me, though, is the decline of the server. Yeah, I wonder if that's that because... I'm wondering if that's because people are, you know, they're virtualizing more. So they're not buying well, hardware. They're right. just virtualizing it. Or we're just, you know, machines yeah. are better. You can do more with fewer machines now. Yeah, um, that could be too. Of course, these are all that's about sales, true. right? That's so the, the number of sales have declined. Uh, global revenue came in, uh, according to uh, um, IDC, um, uh, third quarter uh, sales uh, for... Servers were at fourteen point four billion, which is four point four percent year over year decline. Um, Gartner reports that servers declined by six point six percent. So people are buying fewer servers. That doesn't surprise me because, like you said, with virtualization and with the fact that servers are doing more, and we're we're consolidating services. Uh, uh, Software is getting leaner. You don't need the big servers to do the same work anymore. Uh, I'm yeah. not – my my thinking has been since uh, – I'm going to say 2000, maybe 2003, somewhere around that area, hardware began to exponentially exceed our needs. And, right. you know, like I'm sitting here now with a quad-core i7 laptop with uh, 12 gigs of RAM in it. I don't need that. Nobody needs no. that. Um, uh, you know, that's that's bigger than a server would have been just a few years ago. So I think right. uh, in the you know with the global econ- economic decline, people were just saying, "Do we really have to buy a new piece of hardware? Or can we keep doing what we've got?" And the geeks hang their head and say, "Fine," you know. But Tommy has a new <laughs> one. I wanted a new one. Yeah, I wanted something that was shiny. <laughs> <laughs> well, with those terabyte flash drives, geez, Louise. Right. I spent a decade and a half in the server room, and I can tell you that. Uh, it was never a situation where I needed more machine than I had. It just never came up. 
um, you, you bought big uh, and you grew into it. And then about the time when it was hitting its stride, you bought big again. Yeah. Right. Or you do your rotation like we're doing right now in my school district. We're getting ready for our server rotation year, which means this is going to be nightmare for the next you know six months um, as we migrate from our current domain servers and controllers and servers to new domain controllers and servers and everything else that has to be rebuilt because of it. Yay. <laughs> All right, so the next article we have here is uh, going from the big iron to the little iron, the little copper. Uh, you know, one of the things that uh, I hear people yeah. often complain about with the Raspberry Pi is just super, too darn big. Actually, no, I've never heard anybody say no. that the Raspberry Pi is too big. But apparently a company called Solid Run thinks it is. But they came out with the new uh, Cube Pro model, which is a two-inch cube PC running a microprocessor. Two inches by two inches by two inches. Slightly smaller than two quarters laid side by side. Wow. Wow. That's a wow. nuts. Look at that thing. Huh. It, uh, That's a whole lot of box for very little space. Yeah. I wonder how well that would do for uh, like Netflix stream. You know, because... That's one yeah. of the things that this would probably be aimed for is is the home theater, you know, boxy replacement type idea. Well, it says right here so, that it, it comes with yeah. an XBMC-based media center built onto it because all that stuff is in hardware now. You don't need anything. So this thing, um, for for the for those of, those of you who are listening and can't see it and are too lazy to go uh, look at the link in the show notes, this <laughs> the back of this box has two uh, three USB ports, an HDMI port, uh, a network jack. And a power jack, and that's all the space there is on it. <laughs> that's what's the thing on the side? Um, Did you see that other box? Yeah, is that the big not, is that like, USB? It almost looks like infrared or something. Maybe. I don't know. Oh, maybe that might be infrared for for audio. It could be. Uh, I don't think it's a USB three jack, but I wonder what that is. That's weird looking. Well, I'm sure if we actually bothered to read the article, we'd see that, but yeah. we're, not gonna do that. we're just going to talk about the fact that this thing is tiny. Uh, the system on a chip oh, thing, uh, you know, someday in the near future, we're going to have uh, what we considered servers in a box this size. Um, yeah, eventually. It was an optical out. Uh, there you I, go. I went down far enough and found it. It's an optical yeah. out. That's yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> I so, want one. Just, so when a, just raspberry, play with it. <laughs> when a Raspberry Pi won't fit your needs, if it's just too big, the new Cube Box is for you. Well, and it's $45. Right. That's that's peanuts. That would be awesome. I could I could think of a whole bunch of things I could use this for. Cuz it also has Bluetooth and Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. It's not Wi-Fi AC, but it's Wi-Fi N, so yeah, I could see this being used for a lot of things. Ships with and optional Android. Hmm. Very, very interesting. All right. So uh, this next article, I, I haven't had a chance to read it, but just from the headline, I'm interested. <laughs> French journalist hacks government by inter- inter- inputting correct URL. Later find $4,200. So apparently a fellow uh, French blogger and activist named uh, Olivier Lorelai, I'm uh, sorry, my French pronunciation is terrible, 
he uh, sat down at his computer and did a Google search. And in the Google search, he found some uh, government documents that were available on the web. And he was prosecuted for hacking. Nice. Wow. He used the Linux WGET tool to download all the contents of the web, of a web directory he found. He left the files on his drive for a few days and transferred them to his desktop for more convenient reading. Uh, later, the French government would call that made backup copies of documents he had stolen. A few days, a few days later, he searched through the documents he downloaded and sent them to uh, <coughs> excuse me, a fellow writer, Jovan Menkovic. And about two weeks later, um, a few interesting scientific slides pertaining to the uh, nano substances from the cache were published on Laurel Science. So basically, there was uh, stuff there that was in an open web folder. He found it right. and downloaded it, and they pro- uh, prosecuted him for hacking. <laughs> Jeez. Well, it, they, they are French. So maybe that's yeah. part of the problem there. And I love the picture they put <laughs> up with him. He looks like a, they, they put him through a, a, an Instagram filter, so he looks yeah, so dangerous. Yeah, Cartoonized or something. <laughs> and, you know, this is this is the classic example of stuff we've talked about all the time. Somebody was setting up this server, um, and they, yeah. did, they did chmod 777 just to make sure it was going to work, and said, okay, everything's good here. I don't have any permission problems. And then they left it there. And these secret government documents got put in a folder that had publicly uh, viewable access, and the guy who just did a search and found them was prosecuted for hacking when really it was just some guy not doing his job. Go right. figure. Well, he, he found them and then, and then published them, right? He didn't. Well, they were already them. published. They were available. Yeah, on the they web. were already public, but not as public as he made them, I suppose, but I'm definitely on this side. I was going to say he probably just regurgitated them and put them in layman's terms so people could actually understand them. Because if you've ever had to read government documents, they read like VCR set up their instructions. He tweeted lightheartedly about it. This is huge. I'm officially a cyber criminal. (laughs) (laughs) He gets to call himself a hacker now, and that's all he did, huh? Yeah. And the government, nice. you know, is uh, think about it—a forty-two hundred dollar fine. They didn't; they weren't taking it too seriously either. Uh, that that doesn't really mean anything. But uh, you know, basically, the government says, "Since you showed our incompetence, we're going to give you a fine." Right. We slapped you on the wrist. That's isn't wow. it amazing though? What heroes hackers have become? We're all striving to be one. You think so? I think hackers are still <laughs> anti-heroes for the most part. and you know. They, I guess. I don't know. It do, kind of doesn't feel like that, you know? He's so happy to be a cy- cyber criminal, and I think that uh, my 16- and 15-year-old would feel the same. Yeah. I, I hear a lot of that from kids that I work with at the schools, and they, they, they think the, the term hacker is awesome. So. Yeah. yeah. Oh! What just happened? My wife, I love her to death. She just threw something at your head? Yes, she did. I was making a joke (laughs) earlier about how this would be, because we're having breakfast for dinner tonight. Now, how how many times has that ever happened with everybody? You know, you have breakfast for dinner. Yeah. And I, I, I joked that, you know, hey, it'd be hilarious if I 
had some pieces of bacon to eat on camera, and she threw bacon at me. <laughs> it's never a bad thing to have bacon thrown at you. So, yeah, I got freshly cooked bacon I can munch on during the show. And so the door flies open. She screams airmail and then throws a cured meat product at him. <laughs> it, it really would have been better if it was raw. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on my caveman diet, but I think raw bacon would probably not go over too well. (laughs) All right. I think I'm going to call it. There's more stuff here because Seth is so thorough. I'm going to call it right here, and then we'll move on to our uh, uh, topic right after the return of the LinuxAcademy.com as a, uh, uh, what's the word, sponsor on this show. Uh, they uh, they took the month of February off, and there's a reason for that. Why do you hear all the awesome stuff they've built in February? But pref- but before we do that, i got to tell you, in case you don't know, the LinuxAcademy.com is a place online where you can get step-by-step video courses designed to take you from being a beginner to being a Linux uh, uh, administrator and ready for certification. That's a pretty lofty goal, to go from being a beginner to a certified pro. And how do they do that? Well, they do that with hundreds now, well over 200 training videos. They do that with online quizzes. They do that with study guides that go along with each of the videos. So you're watching the video. There's a time-coded study guide that says at 2.10 in the video, this is what we talk about. So that later, as you're going back and you're refreshing yourself and you're trying to remember, you know exactly where to go. Then when you're done, when you've taken your your course, you sign up for this uh, uh, course and you you go through and you take all the things. When you're done, there's a, a test you can take, and that test will tell you whether you mastered it. And and if you uh, when it when it comes back, you say these are the things that that you need to work on, or these are the things that you ace, and then you can go back and, and do it all over again. And once you're all ready for that, when you've done your courses and you've done your tests and you've passed, there's even practice exams for certification. So you can take your LPIC 101 practice exam, for example, and when you're done, when you've done that practice exam and uh, you go and you uh, go for your certification, you will pass it. How can I be so sure about that? Because currently they have a 100% success rate. Everybody who has passed their uh, practice exam and taken their class and gone to get certified has been certified. That's a pretty amazing stat right there. Everybody who's tried it has succeeded. Now, they're not guaranteeing it. Neither neither am I. But I'm telling you that the the past uh, indications are that if you do your learning with Linux Academy, you there won't be any holes in your knowledge. These guys know what they're talking about. They're professionals in the field. They're excellent educators, and they give you all the tools you need to succeed. If you go to Linux Academy and you sign up and you do everything you need to do and you fail you're not trying hard enough because it won't be because they didn't give you the information you needed. Uh, and here's some cool new stuff that they've just launched or just about to launch. Uh, they've now launched an Amazon web services developer course. Uh, they've Very launched cool. self-paced labs for Linux and AWS. So now it's a, it's an extra fee. You pay for this. It's an extra $25, but you get now this entire self-paced lab thing where uh, you get your virtual servers. Now you can have two virtual servers at once, and you can see how the two servers interact with each other. And you get this real-time lab scenario that you can go through. And while you're doing it, you get uh, live support uh, during that. So you get a lot for that $25. And then when you're all done, you get downloadable MP3s of of the audio part of the lessons. 
so that's a new thing they've added. They've also added a new, uh, a new downloadable note format. Uh, so they had been uh, just plain PDFs. Apparently this is a new format. I'm not that sure about it. Uh, they've launched an introduction to Java development course. So now wow. they're branching out. It had been Linux and, and Amazon Web Services. Now they're getting the Java. They are now, get this guys, a certified Linux Professional Institute training partner. So the LPI, the Linux Professional Institute, have 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 gone over their stuff and they've certified their people, and they're now an official partner. So you can go to the LPI website and and on the places where uh, allowed and certified trainings are, a Linux Academy is listed, and that you can actually pay for it right there from the LPI website. Um, Very cool. These are all the things that have happened just in the month of February. And they were saving their money. They weren't spending it on us, so they were spending it uh, on all that sort of stuff instead. So this amazing service here uh, with really high-quality products done by uh, uh, high-quality professionals is unbelievably inexpensive. How about $20? Not even $20. $19 a month. $19 Nineteen dollars a month. Now, I understand they're uh, they're going through some uh, some price changes, and I'm not sure what those are. So I'm going with these numbers right now. Uh, if you go to the website, they may be different, um, and I know they're going up. And we told you this was going to happen. You don't you don't keep getting that good uh, with the prices that not uh, not going up, but they're not going to be huge. Uh, so anyway, the numbers that I have right now: nineteen dollars a month or thirty eight dollars a quarter, which is basically buy two months, get a third month free. Um, and, and that's it. So you get all this great stuff. Uh, plus if you want to add in the labs an extra $25, uh, for that. Uh, so you can, you can be a certified professional for 75 bucks. I mean, really, that's what I'm telling you in, in you, for, uh, uh, three months of this plus the lab time, that's all you're going to take. And you can, you can, you know, be, have everything you need to know for $75 or less. So, Let's take some of the other sites on the web where you can take uh, maybe an eight-hour course, a one-day course. You're going to pay a thousand bucks at some places for that. Maybe you go online and there's other places. You know, Seth is, is is fond of looking stuff up while I'm doing the ad and telling you that he's found this course for hundreds of dollars. There are other sites that I, that that I know of, and I'm sure you know of too. They advertise on other podcasts, and you've heard their their names uh, that do the same sort of thing, but they're all much more expensive. Sometimes on the on the order of magnitude of a hundred dollars a month, not nineteen dollars a month. Yeah. But if you're not even sure you want to shuck out twenty bucks. Give them a dollar. One dollar gives you 14 days of access to all this stuff. So, I mean, really, what, what does that cost you uh, to, to, try, uh, to look around and see if it's for you? But, you're, you know, it's almost a waste of a dollar because I know that once you get in there and look around, you're going to want to continue your subscription. So there you go, linuxacademy.com. When you get there, tell them we sent you by using the code EverydayLinux in the referral box. And just so you know, you know, we've said on numerous times that this that this site is an awesome site. You know, I've looked and looked and looked to see if I could find anyone who does something similar to this or better than this, and I haven't been able to find anybody. Um, these guys do things that nobody else does. The lab time and everything else, you just got to try them. The, there's no other reason not to for the cheap. The I shouldn't say cheap. The inexpensive. Oh, what's a good word? Inexpensive. <laughs> there you go. The inexpensive of of the site is just you. You just gotta go do it. Command line approved. Pseudo. Go to you know 
these guys and, and do something now. <laughs> so uh, I'm looking right here now um, at their website. I thought I'd pull it up to be accurate. So if you're going to pay monthly with their new pricing structure, it's now $25 a month. So they've gone up 6 bucks. If you want to pay uh, six months, uh, it's $20 a month. And if you want to pay annually, it's uh, $19 a month. So that $19 a month price is still there if you buy a year uh, in advance. Six, dollar, uh, six months, it goes up a dollar to be $20 a month. Or if you just want to go month to month, it's $25 a month. So it's no more three uh, a quarter for uh, $38. Frankly, I think this pricing scheme makes a lot more sense. So you get a discount for uh, signing up in advance. But even if you just want to go month to month, twenty five bucks a month, even that, I mean, that's nothing. That's yeah, still not bad. Enough. You'll you'll spend more money on gas going to the local college. Good point. I take my family of five out for Taco Bell, and it's forty dollars. <laughs> you know, yeah. So uh, twenty five dollars <laughs> isn't much of anything. Okay, so uh, that's it. That is the the introduction. That is the uh, the ad, and now we're on to Christy Eller. Um, and you know, Christy, I, I want to um, preface my comments by saying that I have a bias against the concept of of encouraging women to get into technology. So I'm just going to put that uh-huh. out there right now. And and here's I understand that. and here's my bias. Here's what I'm going to say. Why does it matter whether they're boys or girls? We shouldn't be looking to in to put more girls in technology. We should be looking at putting more smart people in technology and not caring whether boys or girls. So yeah, th- that's the that's the mindset I come from. So if I get a little argumentative, that's why. Uh, I often see advocacy for girls in tech, for STEM, uh, for for that sort of stuff. And I don't understand that. I don't understand why it matters what your gender is. Girls don't solve for X differently than boys. It's still X. Um, And so I I don't see why it's a big deal. So now I want you to tell me why it's important to advocate for girls in technology. Right. Well, um, first of all, I'm not much of a whiner and I'm not, really I don't have much of a soapbox about this issue at all but what I do know is that girls have few role models in technology and oftentimes are not recognized their skills are not recognized because they they simply don't think of themselves in the world of technology when they're young. I mean, um, looking back at when I was a kid, when I was in high school, for instance, well, well, I'm pretty old, so (laughs) computing hadn't gotten very far, actually, when I was in high school. Um, So it it didn't occur to me that much at that time. But I was interested in science, and I was in the Junior Engineering Technological Society. Um, And, you know, I never really felt like being a female was a hindrance in that world, but it was sometimes a little bit lonely. And um, so I guess that as far as um, advocating females in technology or offering programs for females in technology, it's probably just kind of similar to any underrepresented 
underrepresented group in any industry, um, you want to put a little bit of energy toward just making a presence and making it more possible for girls. Because if it had been more possible for me when I was in high school and college, if I had seen any, um, any women in that field that I could even look at and, and say, oh, this is a possibility for me, I think that I would have gotten into it sooner. And I enjoy it so much now that that's really where, where I'm coming from. And that's the article that I wrote for, for opensource.com. Really, that was the bent that I was coming from was that, you know, this isn't something we need to really worry about. We don't, we don't need to fight about it. There's not much need to um, cry about it or whine about it, but um, it's going to naturally happen. I mean, the whole world is involved with technology now, so it's naturally going to happen. And it's, um, I just want girls to know that a career in technology is fun. It's as fun as other things that they can choose to do for a career. So as a, as a girl uh, growing up, did you feel discouraged from um, pursuing uh, techn- technical careers? I, I know that the, you know, the, the stereotype from the American fifties, you know, what our parents would have grown up with is, uh, you know, boys do science and math and girls do homemaking and, and cooking. Uh, did, did you feel that you were somehow wrong to uh to want to be in tech no no i didn't but um i think that it wasn't and i think even even though like on a person-to-person level we don't believe in stereotypes on on a higher level we kind of act on them and so um you know, in the in the junior engineering and technological society, for instance, I was probably like one, it was probably a ratio of like one to shoot, probably like 30 or 40 girls to boys. And, you know, that didn't bother me much because I've always liked boys. <laughs> <laughs> Is that um, so that you, you're talking that you, you were thinking that way, like a guy who wants to do cheerleading then, huh? right i I have a friend i work with who's uh got an engineering degree uh and she talks about as a woman that that uh she would be you know one woman in a class with 23 guys in college uh and she said they they came up with with an expression the odds are good but the goods are odd um so (laughs) in engineering she had a she had she had good chance she was one out of 25 but there weren't great pickings among the engineers Right. Right. So it never really, it never really bothered me. Um, I always, you know, when you can do something well, it, it doesn't matter to the people around you on a human one-to-one level, usually whether what your gender is. Um, but it's more of like, um, just a societal kind of uh, feeling or the environment, the environment for girls is, um, you know, geeky girls are less, less understood or revered than geeky boys i think all right wait wait i need i need growing up a geeky boy nobody revered me so i'm gonna need (laughs) you to fill fill me in on on what exactly you're talking about 
<laughs> right. Um, I just, it just seems like to me that there's more, um, there's more representation of them in movies, books, etc. But like I said, I'm not, I'm not complaining about it per se. It's, um, you know, I just, I just want, and I think a lot of women, women want only to portray our own careers in technology as interesting to the, to the girls that are coming up. And that's going to happen naturally. Right. It's going to happen naturally. Do you feel that there is an antagonism in the workforce? I mean, I've heard, uh, you know, I've read uh, uh, books and, and heard uh, speeches from women who say that, you know, the technology world is a boys club and that they're, they're you know, uh, the girls are diminished uh, and you know, demeaned. Uh, have you experienced that in your own career as a woman in a technologically uh, based career? You know, no, I haven't. I really haven't. Um, I honestly, I most of the time feel like it's the other direction. I get more, um, I get more attention because I'm a woman and I can do something that maybe generally people think that a man can do better. Okay. Hmm. I've, yeah. I've, I've heard yeah. the old saw that, uh, you know, if a man it does what it takes to be the CEO of a company, he's a shrewd leader. If a woman does the same thing, she's a witch. Um, have you seen that kind of double standard of the same behavior being treated differently? Well, in my current job as a web designer, I'm, I'm not really in a management position. So some of the responses that I got from um, men on my article, I got quite a quite a few comments on the article uh, on opensource.com and then through Twitter, etc. Um, some I got some kind of uh, resentful comments from men about um, women being their bosses. <laughs> um, well, that I, was pretty interesting. I wasn't expecting that at all. I sort of just jumped right into the, the heart of the matter there. I skipped over all the basics, like uh, the introduction and, and all that sort of stuff. So, <laughs> yeah. so let's go back. Let's backtrack a little bit. Um, I know that Seth found out about you or you first came on his radar because of this opensource.com article. So I want to, I want to go back and tell us a little bit about who Christy Eller is. What, what I often say to guests, who are you and why should we care? Um, <laughs> Tell us a little bit about uh, about your background and about your work, and then jump straight into this article and give us a quick uh, summary of it. Uh, of course, the the link will be in the notes for people who want to read the the whole. Looks like about five hundred words of it, uh, but just give yeah, us a quick summary sure. of it. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I'm Christy. I'm from Texas originally. Um, you know, I I have a liberal arts education background from the University of Texas. Um, uh, in Are you allowed to use the word liberal in Texas? I didn't think that was allowed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in Austin only. Okay. Um, uh, in around 19, let's see, 1999, my husband and I got involved in a partnership with um, uh, owning an internet service provider. And um, we owned that in our little rural area in Colorado for nine or 10 years. And we built um, a fixed broadband wireless internet service. It was the first broadband 
in our area. Um, and my husband and his partner built all the routers open source. And um, so I started using open source, uh, using Linux, you know, in 2000, 1999, I guess, 2000. And um, honestly, I've got to tell you that since, between college and then, I really had not hardly used a computer at all. Um, and so Linux was really the first operating system. A Linux-based operating system was what I, the only thing I knew really until I used Windows maybe like four or five years later. Um, so that's that part of it. And um, so we used all open source applications. And um, so just to do our business, um, you know, in those days, and an ISP kind of served many roles. You know, you did hosting and you did uh, web design. Uh, you did some graphic design for people. You kind of did whatever people needed because they just came to you because they knew you as the computer people. So um, eventually, I ended up starting to do web design. And um, that's what I stuck with because that's what I enjoyed the most. Um, I do graphic design as well. But really, web design is what I what I really enjoy, and um, I've went from you know Plone way back when to Drupal wow. to WordPress, and I've really stuck with WordPress. Um, my website needs some help. We, we need to talk <laughs> offline. <laughs> I'm using Drupal, and or I should say, Drupal is using me at this point. Uh oh. Um, <laughs> I would say abusing you more than anything, yeah, there, Mark. Yeah. Um, uh oh! It's that darn <laughs> migration to PHP 5.4, which is killing me. Uh, so, oh, it is. Yeah. So anyway, uh, let's anyway. I, I am not a webmaster. I am a guy what plugs in stuff. Um, right. I, I'm. I have. I can code enough to get myself into trouble, and that's about it. But anyway, so let's talk about this article uh, that you. Uh, it looks like the title is "I Love Work." Uh, actually, no, it's "Make Money and Have Fun in Open Source." There you go. So. That that sounds like something I want to do. I want to make money and have fun. Um, uh, and right. and you you your your opening sentence of the article is women in open source, women in programming, women in tech at all. Where are they? So go from there. Right. Well, okay. I should back up a tiny bit and tell you how I got to write this article. Um, in I hope I don't get the dates wrong on this, but in two thousand eleven. We had, um, we were kind of in between. We had sold our ISP. We were running a business, but we were kind of in between things. And I was just starting to kind of do my own freelance web design stuff outside of our, our, um, ISP business. And, um, I found out, my husband actually told me about, um, the outreach program for women that Gnome does every year. And I applied for that, and I was an intern with them for three months in web design and marketing. Um, I mostly did web design, and I just it was it was just really an amazing experience for me. Um, even even their websites are um, in repositories, so I learned Git, and um, that was really fun. I got to use the command line more than I do when I'm doing my web design stuff. Um, and it was just a real supportive, international um, community type of an experience, and it sort of um, reinforced my 
beliefs in um, the ideals of open source because I just saw them in action. So um, it was such a healthy community. Um, so um, I was actually, that's kind of actually how I got this article. And um, the article is um, sort of starts out talking about how hip it is to whine about women not being in technology. And um, honestly, when I started to write this article, I, I have, I tend to have more of an attitude like you have, Mark. I, I've, I've never not enjoyed being a female around men. I've never, I don't generally feel uh, dismissed by men. And if I am dismissed at first, I generally don't feel that way for very long. Um, but it was interesting when I started writing this article, um, some of the things I read in the, even just in the WordPress community and in the technology community about sexism and other people's experiences uh, that weren't mine. Um, but it did make me start thinking about what it was like um, being a girl and just just primarily the fact that it didn't occur to me until later in life um, to be involved in technology. And I think that I always was, I always enjoyed problem solving and puzzle puzzle solving. And that's kind of what what it feels to me like I do most of the time in my job, even though my job is sort of a creative version of, of technology, web design is, but really it's problem solving all day long and it's, um, it's solving puzzles. And so um, I thought that it would be good if society and the education system in general recognized those kind of traits in girls and, um, just gave them the opportunity to experience coding, for instance. Um, so, so where I'm coming from is is mostly just that I hope that the opportunities are present for girls as much as possible. Okay. And so, what if I'm understanding what you're saying? You you say that there has been a problem. But we're organically growing out of that problem. Is that is that an, a fair assessment? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, honestly, my daughter, who's almost eleven, she's not interested in what I do at all. <laughs> um, but that's okay. She might be soon, and I just want I just want girls to know the possibility of it. Um, I really, it really was did not feel like a possibility at all to me when I was in high school technology well, it just didn't and i don't think it was because my mind was elsewhere because i wanted it to be elsewhere i just didn't see the opportunity i uh, um it's never fitting to mention a woman's age but i'm going to assume that you and i are yeah, of, of similar ilk um that you know yeah. i i was I, I was i grew up in the the Carter and Reagan administrations. Uh, and yeah. so, um, we, we grew up, I mean, my first computer was a, was a TRS 80. Yeah, we were, um, yeah, we were at the very beginning. Of yeah. The and the, the computer classes, uh, that, that I sat through were really typing classes on the computers. You know, uh, yeah, my, exactly right. uh, my 11 year old has now done her second year. It's, it just completed 
uh, in in February of UIL competitions in in computing, uh, and that's that's something that didn't even exist until. I don't know. I'm going to say yeah, no, like '89 that it didn't no, exist at all. Not. Yeah. Um, and now it certainly wasn't at the elementary level. And, and so she, uh, she told me that she was going to do that. And I thought, honey, I, you know, I, I don't mean to discourage you, but it just doesn't sound like something you would be interested in. This is this is coding and logic based uh-huh. sort of stuff, and and you're a craft and gluing stuff kind of person. Um, I just, it doesn't sound like something you'd want to do. Are you sure about this? And she said, yeah, my teacher, um, downloaded scratch and we've been playing with that and I love it. It was like, Oh, okay. Well, yeah, you know, it's not that much different crafts and coding. They're really not that much different. It's the same kind of things when you really, I think it's the same feeling when you, um, that's a great name for a blog, by the way, crafts and coding. I like it. (laughs) Yeah, that is a good one. When you, um, make something when I make something happen on a website that that was you know a, a hard problem to solve I I have the same rush as I do when I wrap a present well <laughs> well a little more <laughs> I wouldn't know about wrapping a present well I've never done that I've wrapped presents just not well right <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I think that's interesting. Uh, I had never really thought of it about that that way, but it is that maker space. Uh, you know, I like making yeah. stuff. I like scripting. I like uh, woodwork. I like uh, engineering. I mean, one of my favorite things to do is go to the the hardware store and just walk up and down the aisles and say, "What can I make out of this PVC pipe?" Um, and so <laughs> you know that it's all making, right? Whether it's making it in bits or making yeah. it in, in the the physical world. Uh, so when, yeah. once she told me that she was into it. I was like, great, let's let's do this because I'm excited now. Now my daughter can share an interest with me. Um, and, yeah, that's um, great. But it, I think, I think maybe I'm guilty of what you're just talking about in that it never occurred to me that she would be interested in it. Not because she's a girl, See, but because of the stuff yeah. she's into. Yeah, that's exactly the thing. That's the only thing that that interests me about it. And you know, I I don't see it as. Um, you know, you're a bad person or that it's a negative thing about you that you didn't think that she would be interested. It's just the stereotypes that we live with in society and they change so slowly. Hmm. I would say there's that. And there's also um, like I'm in really rural Montana and there's not a whole lot of stuff out this way for when it comes to coding expos or web design um i think the college is still trying to push front page down on everybody um and i think a lot of that has to do with the fact that the the education system is still trying to change to show coding as in a way that people can actually grab a hold of you know as young as a second grader um i know second graders that can think in a much more rational, you know, male and female that are are just as adequate doing the same type of tasks if you ask them to do it. It's just giving them the tools to learn. And I think a lot of the problem right. with the, the the stereotypes, as you call it, isn't just the stereotype, but it's the fact that a lot of times people don't have access to the the, the knowledge to learn that type of stuff. And I know in when I was going to school, there was zero coding a lot uh, given up and there still isn't in my schools uh there people are learning things on their own because they they find an interest but since there's such a like you're saying a stereotypical image 
um, a lot of the girls around my neck of the woods, they don't even look towards the sciences because they don't think they're going to do any good because they've never been shown that they can be. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think that's, that's changing slowly and it's changing organically just the way it should. Um, one, one thing that does get my goat though is how often I think that the education system instills some kind of fear of figuring something out on your own. Um, especially for women, I noticed that they think that they need to be trained in a specific thing or have a license or some kind of a degree in something. Um, I wish that people realized how much they could do that they're not doing. Like a friend of mine that I think of specifically asked me recently, like, I'd like to be doing what you're doing, but I didn't go to school for it. And I was like, what? I didn't go to school for this. <laughs> <laughs> I just decided, oh, I think I like this and I think I could be good at it. And I just, you know, I just did it, went ahead and did it. And I mean, that happens in, in the microcosm every day, constantly. Of course, mm -hmm. I'm doing things that I've never done before. You know, when a client says to me, um, we need to import all of the data from our database for these 15,000 users for this form system that we have and we want to move it to WordPress and um, can you do that? I just say yes and then I figure out how to do it. Um, so that's one kind of a little bit of a beef that I have with how the education system presents learning. Well, I think that comes down in, in, uh, in essence to a fear of failure. Whereas, yeah, whereas yeah. failure yeah. is, failure is learning. That totally. Uh, that's the only the only way to learn. If if you do if you try something, and it works exactly like you thought it would, you haven't learned anything. You didn't learn anything exactly. Um, and so that's you yeah. know with my kids that's what I try to do you know and they'll tell me you know I'll say do this. daddy I can't do it. Well of course you can. Well it doesn't work. Okay let's figure out why it doesn't work. Um, right. You know, uh, and it's I, it's not going to work the first time, so let's figure it out. Right. And see, I do the exactly. same thing with my That's kids, great. and and I feel the same way personally. Um, a lot of the tech that I've learned over the years is never, you know, I I have a pretty good book study going on, but a lot of this stuff was I always tell people I try to break things as often as I can because then I learn. Right. Okay, that broke it. Now how do I fix it, and how do I not break it again next time? Right. Right. I wonder, I wonder if that is an easier, um, that's an easier risk to take for men than for women. It feels like a lot of the women that I know are more afraid of, of failure in some way. Um, and uh, I, yeah, I, don't I, know, I don't know I if agree that's with really you true there. across the board. Yeah. I, I refuse to go down the road of, of uh, gender stereotypes because... Yeah, people will find out what a chauvinist I really am. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, you know, I don't think that's it. I, I don't. I really don't believe in gender stereotypes in general. I think yeah. that, that people are people, and yes, our genes, yeah, our genes definitely tell us something about something. You know, um, like for example, my wife is much more afraid as a person than I am. 
Uh, and and you could say that's because she's a woman and, and or because I'm a man. But the way I look at it, I've never lived in a world no. where where uh, 70% of the people around me are bigger than I am. I don't know what that's like. She's, you know, five yeah. foot two. Um, and everybody, you know, every man is bigger than she is and a lot of women. I'm six foot five. That's not a problem for me. So I don't I don't associate that with gender roles, but just what we grew up yeah. with. And yeah, women are girls growing up are weaker and smaller than boys for most of their lives. So maybe that leads to a greater sense of fear. But that's the beautiful thing about the technology. You know, we're in the matrix, right? You can be anything in the matrix. Oh, I know. Uh, Isn't that great? That's just one of the best things about about the explosion of technology is the democratization of it like that. It, you know, I, I, I think of people that I know um, who, wow, in, in just their physical life or, you know, if it had been 50 years ago, they may have been sort of lonely types of people, but on Facebook, they have a huge audience. Their skills, you know, the skill set of, of people is kind of changing or what's valued. Um, or, you know, it's maybe not changing, but it's, it feels to me like it's getting bigger, you know, what's acceptable. Um, you know, when, when we're in the IRC chat or something, uh, nobody knows what we look like and how much money we make and what social class we are in if we don't want them to, or even what gender we are for that matter. Yeah, the the internet definitely makes us all um, eunuchs, basically. <laughs> well, and, and yeah. un- unfortunately, the internet also frees people up to be jerks. Um, yeah, and so I think maybe that uh, one one of the things you have here in the in the notes, Christy, is is you know basic decency. Um, yeah. what, what I call don't be a jerk. Uh, that yeah. and. Uh, I think maybe men have the jerk, jerk gene more than women, uh, but certainly the internet brings out the jerk gene um, because you're anonymous and you're you know there are no repercussions for what you say. There's no response. So yeah, uh, I have seen women um, uh, celebrities like uh, you know Olivia Munn from from uh, GTV, uh, not GTV, but tech tv and, and others uh come to mind where they they do something and like all the youtube comments are about their breasts um and right. i think that's right. that's not women in tech that's just guys being idiots that's just yeah i i agree it doesn't have much to do with anything <laughs> except for there's lame people everywhere <laughs> yeah and the yeah. internet the internet gives them a voice that they didn't have before right right and and i think you know possibly because of the preponderance in, of men in technology, I think that feeling of it being a boys club and maybe maybe sometimes that kind of behavior um, growing or being more represented there just because there's more men there, you know, there's something to that. But if, if you came into the to something that was more of a female world, you'd see some nasty things too. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, it's, you made it, you just made the comment about how it always feels like a, uh, you know, a boys club. I always think that a lot of the, the, you know, I've joined a couple of different groups online trying to, to expand my knowledge and learn more and, and do more. And it, I never really felt that it was a, a boys club, but I always felt like it was a good old boys club where if you're not, uh-huh. 
in the know, you're not in the special group that you don't get any extra knowledge or you don't get to do that. And I think that's the oh, other thing right. that we're uh-huh. we're coming across of is that it's it's not necessarily a, gir- a girls versus boys or a boys versus girls. It's a everyone versus the good old boys. The the fact that right. if the you're not yeah yeah if you're not a, a gray beard then then you don't know anything. You're you're a pile of garbage. And, and right. I think that's more of that's more of the issue than boys versus girls. I think it's more of the the young guys trying to to strive to be as good as the old timers and the old timers telling them to sit down you don't know what you're talking about right one of those articles that um seth uh linked to in the document we have um approached that that the one of the women that was highlighted in the article um sarah sharp is her name um she she made a comment, it looked like, to Linus himself, saying, knock off the verbal abuse that makes the Linux community so daunting for young programmers. That really addresses yeah. that. Yeah, I, I definitely, but, you know, when I, with GNOME, I, wow, I didn't get that feeling at all. It was so um, open and welcoming. So, fortunately... And most of my most of my relationship with open source has not been that, but I've seen it online for sure. I think it all depends on which geek you you cross paths with. You know who's who's having a bad day that day, um, <laughs> right? Uh, men or women, male or female aside, one of my biggest pet peeves online is. Somebody posts a question in a forum, and there's 34 responses, none of which actually answer the question. Um, you know, and they they complain about the way the question was asked, or oh, say right. or yeah. say that you know if you weren't using Windows, you wouldn't have this problem, or that just shut up if you don't actually have an answer to the question. But again, that's just <laughs> the internet giving voice to to jerks. Um, I take that with uh, with yeah, most of those jerks are guys, I'm sure. Um, uh, but I don't think it, it's the fact that they have a penis that makes them a jerk. I think they would be a jerk either way. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Probably so. <laughs> Probably so. All right. So uh, anything else, any other thought? I mean, I, like I said uh, uh, earlier in the show, there's no chance we're actually going to follow these notes. <laughs> so is there anything I glossed over that you want to, uh, to, to bring out? I don't think so. I mean, I, 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 I just want to see that girls have as many opportunity as many opportunities as possible, and I think that's happening um, already. And you know, I think that already um, the notion that that technology is a man's world. I, I don't, I don't think my kids think that as much as well, certainly my generation, but even you know, maybe the time in between. I, I, I don't think they see it that way. Their, their friends that are girls are using their computers and mobile devices and smartphones just as much as they are. Yeah, my kids keep asking when they are get, get an iPhone, and I keep telling them, when you pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. 
All right. So as I uh, like to do when I wrap up an interview, if you have one point, nobody else hears anything else. The last hour and 23 minutes of the show, they haven't heard any of it. Uh, and they only hear this last sentence that you're about to say. What would you like people to take away from this interview? Oh, you know, I'd like to see people being nice to each other, whether they're male or female. And I'd like to see girls with all the opportunities to solve problems and puzzles and technology that they could ever want. And um, I think that's happening. Um, I'm really encouraged by the young people that are in my life. Um, in fact, in fact, with um, the gender differences in general and, and, and discrimination, I'm really encouraged by the younger generation. So um, girls can do great in technology and have, awesome fun careers so um and they will and they will that's the that's the last, great last words to end on um, <laughs> uh, i think i think if geek guys show any animosity toward girls it's just because they're it's a strange alien creature to them and they don't know how to respond to it uh, <laughs> yeah really in fact <laughs> that was a comment i saw on one of the blogs that was discussing the issue. I can't remember if it was a response to my article or not, but yeah, just um, someone made a comment that in general, uh, geeky people have less social skills. So I think a lot of it <laughs> can just be scratched up to that. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I also thought about the fact that, and, and that brings back the, um, the, the, comment that Chris made about the good old boys club that like a lot of us are attracted to technology because it is sort of an outsider's world. I mean, there's something kind of attractive about that to be in a club of uh, weirdos. So sometimes uh, we might keep others out for, for those kind of reasons, but um, you know, that's all changing because it's, wow, it's taken over our lives and it's made our lives so much better. Technology has the communication, um, the relationship building that we can do, um, you know, and some of those are what, what's, what's generally thought of as female qualities, you know, communication and, and relationships and nurturing and things like that. You know, technology has seeped into every part of our lives and really made them, made it better. Awesome. I think we're just going to end right there and uh, jump into the the incredibly highbrow uh, link that Chris has for us for this week. Uh, Chris, what do you got? The link of the week, at least for me, considering uh, it was just thrown at me a minute ago, is a recipe for <laughs> bacon pancakes. Um, that is what we're having for for dinner tonight, and I, I had to share it because a it looks it, it looks and is gonna I know it's gonna be tasty. And B, because my wife said I needed to make sure everyone knows what we're having. You're not going to pour <laughs> syrup on it, are you? No. Okay, thank no, you. No, thank no, you. That, no. A bacon pancake, that- what I'm seeing here, this needs to be eaten with like mustard, not with syrup. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try, try it straight up with nothing, and then I'm going to try it with a little bit of powdered sugar, and then I'm going to try it with uh, jalapeno, jalapeno jelly. Okay, I can get behind the jalapeno. Yeah. Oh, that would be good. That would be good. I already had bacon once today. I don't know if I can have <laughs> bacon twice in one day. Well, what's <laughs> why not? That's the perfect day. Bacon twice in one day. That's that's best. You the can't you can't is, deny it. 
when you make bacon, your house smells like bacon for at least 24 hours. So by nighttime, it's, the smell still hasn't gone. So I don't know. I'm not seeing the downside there. I mean, I consider yeah. that a fringe benefit. I come in from work the next day and there's bacon there and that's awesome. Uh, I, I would I would wear bacon scented cologne if I could find it. <laughs> yeah, I am so sure there is such a thing. I, there I, has to. Yes. I bet our friends over at uh, BaconSalt.com have, have already figured that one out. I do have some I'm bacon sure. lip balm. It's awesome. Oh, my God, you do? I do. D- does it actually stay on? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, I lick it off immediately. It smells and tastes like bacon, so I put lip balm on, and my wife kisses me endlessly. It's great. Um, <laughs> Um, all right, so this is the part of the show where I say uh, if you, the listener, have would like to weigh in, uh, the, the best way to do that is go to elementop.com, click the Contact Us button, and let us have it. Um, were we insensitive jerks? Did we, uh, did we not cover something? Uh, would, you, uh, would you have said something differently? I can see Seth right now running to the website because he wasn't here for this show, and he's going he's gonna to be saying all the things that he would have said if he were on for this show. ElementOP.com, uh, click the, uh, uh, the Contact Us button. Or if you'd like to lend your voice to the show in a very real way, you can do that using our Google Voice line. Uh, you can dial 559-IAM-OP from anywhere in the continental North American landmass. I heard you guys discussing that on one of the shows. It's, it's uh, U.S., Mexico, and Canada. So anywhere in North America, it's a free call. Uh, anywhere else, um, I have no clue. Uh, but if you live, you know, in Australia and Google Voice doesn't work for you, just record a WAV file and zip it over to me or an MP3 or something like that or an OGG, an OG Vorbis, whatever floats your boat, uh, and, and we'll do that. Um, also, there's the uh, um, forums. Don't forget to go in there and, and weigh in. Uh, the Bad Movie Forum has been languishing. Uh, apparently, uh, you guys have just had your fill of bad movies. Uh, I, I want you to go back and do that. Uh, a quick shout-out to all of the people who've left ratings and reviews on iTunes. I know how difficult it is for this audience. I know what I'm asking for this audience to go and leave a re- uh, review on iTunes because then you got to go to either a Mac or a Windows machine. You got to load up that piece of crap software and you got to go there and you yeah. got to do it. So I understand what I'm asking for you, but yet I am still asking you. Please go. Yeah, uh, that's to, <laughs> Please go to iTunes and leave us a rating <laughs> and a review. And we appreciate those who already have and those of you who are about to pseudo uh, go and leave us a review. Um, and uh, so I think, I think I'm done. Am I leaving anything out? Um, Nope, I think that's it. Christy, thanks for being a great guest. And anytime you want to come back, just say the word. Um, and and we'd, we'd love to have you on the show. Um, not many people um, have been willing to sit through the whole show and contribute the whole time <laughs> like you did. That's awesome. Uh, so, uh, Hey, how many female guests have you had on the show? Uh, maybe two. Like you may be the second. Wow. I think two. Wow. Uh, wow. We had a female ge- a host at the beginning of the show. Um, but that was a train wreck uh-huh. for a lot of different re- reasons. Uh, and <laughs> that was a different show, Mark. That was a different show. Oh, you know, one thing we didn't talk about that was in my article was my idea for um, geekiest guy of the year, it's like geekiest man alive. Why don't we have that? Oh. <laughs> like this- <laughs> because it like would be some sex- guy with an asthma inhaler in his hand with a pocket protector. <laughs> 
like the, we have the sexiest man alive. We should have the geekiest man alive every year. Somebody needs to do that. Wired magazine or something. Well, I think like there you, you mentioned, more and more geek and sexy are becoming synonymous, which is, yeah, def- you know, yeah. but it's only a certain type of geek. It's only the, the rugged, handsome, good looking, the guy who would already be popular, but can also use Twitter. Um, so, you no, know, no, 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 that wouldn't, that wouldn't fly. They've got to have some skills to be in my calendar. Yeah. <laughs> Your geek calendar. <laughs> that would be awesome. Uh, some, some 400 pound guy in a speedo in your calendar. That'd be awesome. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I went there. Yes, I did. I'm sorry. Uh, but to answer your question, we don't, we don't have a lot of guests on the show. It's generally just us. Uh, and I can't, yeah. I can't remember. Uh, I, I, I have tried a number of times to, uh, uh, to get, uh, famous, quasi famous people and, and for some reason they don't want to come on our little show. Uh, but I have, I have gone after a couple women. I saw that you had some, some suggestions in the notes and I'm sure Seth will follow up on that. Um, see if I can say these names, uh, Karen Sandor of Nome and Marina Zurakinskaya, Zurakinskaya. Zurakinskaya. I don't know. Uh, we'll see of red hat. Um, right. Sure. We can, all, all we can do is send an email and see what happens. Um, but, uh, yeah, either one of them would be great. If more people go and rate us on iTunes, more high profile people will be interested in coming on. (laughs) Can I do that from my Android phone? (laughs) No, no, you have to be, you have to use iTunes and you have to be on windows or Mac. I know. I know. I, I, let me tell you how bad it is. All right. I go in, install iTunes, go read the reviews and then uninstall iTunes. Every time I want to do wow. that, because I don't want that crap on my machine. Actually, I'm I'm on my son's machine, my son's laptop right now, and I think he does have iTunes Perfect. on. So maybe I'll do it right now. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm gonna, just going to say thanks for being with us, everybody. Again, I will be out next week, but uh, uh, Seth and Chris will uh, acquit themselves appropriately, I'm sure. And then I look forward to being back with you. Thanks for being a listener. Uh, thank you, Chris, uh, Christy, for being a guest. Thank you, Chris, for being a great co-host. Thank you, Seth, for lining well, up this guest and then bailing out on us. No, it totally wasn't his fault. Um, <laughs> he's dealing with power lines outage uh, out due to, to uh, ice on the lines, that sort of stuff. So uh, totally beyond his control. Uh, but most of all... Thanks a uh, lot, you guys. It was fun. Excellent. Thank you, Christy. And I'm going to say that ends this episode of Everyday Linux.